This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. My name is George Scott, Editor-in-Chief of Bike Radar, and today we have another one of our Meets episodes where we chat to one of the leading riders, designers and personalities in cycling. I'm very fortunate today to be joined by Alistair Brownie, the 2012 and 2016 Men's Olympic Triathlon champ, Champion. Alistair, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. Hiya, thanks very much for having me. No problem. Well, Alistair, you know, you are someone who may be more used to gracing the pages of our sister title, 220 Triathlon Magazine, rather than Bike Radar. But I've been really keen to speak to you as uh, you're someone who's recently thrown yourself into the world of gravel racing. Um, riding the Badlands event in Spain, which we'll come on to, and also the King's Cup in Britain, to name a couple of events. So I think just to get us started, you know, can you kind of give us a bit of background? We know you, of course, as Alistair Brownie, the, the Olympic champion triathlete, but uh, what's inspired your move to, to gravel and gravel racing? Well, um, in lots of ways, this year has been uh, a disaster. It's been the worst year of my career. Um, I, I got an ankle injury in March, ended up having an operation on it in um June and I've been recovering from it since it's been really really tough um and at some point in um I think September I thought well do you know what look at this as a positive it gives me a chance to do things I don't normally get to do and I've been a a sports person uh most of my life you know started riding bikes when I was young and doing some bike racing when I think I was like eight or nine years old and stuff um as well as obviously swimming cycling running and, and triathlon and so always had an idea of all these kind of things that I'd like to do. Um, and I thought, well, this gives me the chance to do some other stuff I don't normally get to do. Let's give it a go. And um, so I kind of chatted to a few um, people, a few friends, uh, and thought, you know, I kind of want to do something gravel type of racing. What do you suggest? And uh, got a few suggestions. Um, and one of them was Badlands, which I think at the time was only like 10 days 10 days away uh and so i went and looked it up and thought oh wow that looks a bit of a uh, a bit of an effort a bit outside my comfort zone um but decided to give it a go yeah we'll, we'll come on to that race in a second but um that ankle injury you've had um i imagine and i'm guessing here but is that something that stopped you running but didn't stop you riding a bike well, yeah, well, it stopped me running for pretty much all of the year, but um, it actually didn't stop me riding for most of that time. And um, I mean, apart from maybe three weeks or something around the operation itself, maybe a bit longer. Um, yeah, it hasn't stopped me riding. And so obviously I, I like to keep fit, like to keep active, like, like to keep outdoors. Um, and so I've been, yeah, 
doing probably more cycling in lots of ways than I, I would do normally. Well, I mean, we'll come on to this. It'd be good to get your, your kind of thoughts around kind of how you started in cycling and, and obviously kind of um, uh, have bolted that onto uh, swimming and running to become the triathlete you are. But, you know, I think just to kind of open with the, the Badlands race, which is, I think I'm right in saying 750 kilometres, uh, around 15,000 metres to climbing in southern Spain, and you finished seventh off the back of 10 days preparation in 57 hours. Um, I mean, clearly you're someone who has world-class endurance as a triathlete, but in Olympic distance triathlon, more used to racing over 40 kilometres on the bike and not 750 kilometres. So what, what was it like to race and compete, albeit in a very different event over that kind of distance? It was very different. I mean, obviously, um, something I didn't really give enough respect to at the time was the big thing with those races is sleeping and sleep deprivation. Um, but yeah, the first, uh, I think, 150k or something was great. I really enjoyed it. I was in a group of the first few guys. Um, and then I started hitting puncture territory and got some uh, got, got loads of punctures after my um, tubular system. I, I think I hit a nail and it went straight through my tyre twice. And probably everyone knows here, once you tubeless tire is down um you're, you're having a bit of problem um but after after seven uh inner tube failures in my tubeless tire i eventually managed to mend my tubeless uh by borrowing some sealant um and a special type of canister head and um also gluing stuff to the inside of my tire and getting that going again um so then once i was going it was great you you're following um so there's no navigation you're following it on on my wahoo head unit as it were um it's a commute route and um yeah you just just go 700 odd kilometers into the distance um and the big the thing with badlands is um yeah i mean it's the distance but also so much of it's slow going it's kind of sandy and it's the, it's the elevation meters um yeah it, it said on the thing that it was 15000 um which means there's a a thousand obviously up and down about every 50 kilometers so if you think of that you're basically always climbing at 5% or going downhill. Um, and it actually turned out there was 16,000 metres, which was much to my dismay on the last um, few hours when I, when I didn't know I had another 1,000 metres to climb than, than the route uh, manual said. Um, but yeah, heat, uh, mountains, rough terrain, um, it, even altitude. We spent a lot of time riding above 2,000 metres um, and, uh, yeah, and, and punctures. Um what did I kind of learn? I think uh, water, water and salt were super important to me after eight or nine or 10 hours in. Um, food amazingly became less important. Uh, I think I just got to the kind of steady state of uh, burning, you know, burning fat relatively and not uh, needing like too much carbohydrates, but I needed a lot of water and I needed a lot of salt in a heat. Um, and yes, yeah, sleep. I mean, they always sleep that well, but managed to sleep uh, on the side of the road um, for five hours at, at night. Um, but yeah, the guys who were uh, racing in front of me didn't sleep at all. I, I think the guy that won stopped for an hour in total in the 47 or eight hours he took to do it, which is just incredible if you think of all those hours in the saddle. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, I think I, I left in equal measure with uh, a love of the, that kind of event. There is something weirdly special about cycling through the night and um seeing amazing countryside and um, environments that, you know, I've never seen before and probably won't see otherwise in, in the south of Spain um, and been super impressed by some of those guys who are, who are doing, it for, um, doing it for two days straight bike riding. Um, it's, you know, 
couldn't can't help but be impressed by that. I mean, I suppose, I suppose in some ways you were, you know, you, you have decades or you know more than a decade as an elite athlete kind of supporting you in terms of kind of fitness and endurance and preparation and mentality, but things like sleep deprivation and um, fending for yourself in terms of food and water and hydration, you just can't prepare for that unless you are experienced in that type of event and that type of race. Uh, I think so, yeah. Um, it's like so many of these things, you, you know, you really believe you can prepare for it. Um, a bit like doing Ironman as well, you know, you think, how hard can it be? Like, it's cycling really, or, or um, as long as I eat enough and go at the right pace, I can kind of keep going. But yeah, I think it is, when races are that long and that difficult, um, like Badlands and, and the other kind of big endurance bikepacking events, it's it's really, it's also as much about the challenges you face along the way. You know, obviously the physical challenges, the mental challenges, but I guess the technical challenges as well of, um, yeah, how to mend the puncture quickly, how to deal with it when you need to deal with it. And because and, things are just going to go wrong when, you, when you're riding for 50 hours across awful sandy terrain, things on your bike are probably going to go wrong. I mean, um, you, you posted a video of your setup for that race beforehand. Um, I recommend our listeners check it out. It's on your YouTube channel, Brownie TV. But can you talk us through some of the tech highlights that um, you took you took to the race? Yeah, well, I was um, using the the new Scott uh, Ad- Adventure bike, gravel bike, it's called, um, which awesome frame, um, the SRAM Explorer group set with a pair of Zip uh, 303 wheels, um, Syncross saddle, um, Scott shoes. Uh, I had some restrap bags. I had a, a frame bag and a small bag on the saddlebag and handlebar bag. And, um, I mean, I tried to travel light. I think I didn't travel as light as some, some other people. Um, I, I took a very simple um, half sleeping bag and, and four blanket with me to sleep in and a, a down jacket, a uh, spare pair of bib shorts and a spare pair of socks. And I think that was it for clothing. Um, had quite a lot of food with me, OT bars and kind of trail mix stuff. Um, and I had three bottles with me, um, which, because there was points I was particularly worried about that I thought would be kind of five or six hours that I'd be hitting in the middle of the day um, through the Garafi Desert um, where I wouldn't be able to get water. So I was quite worried about water. And I actually um, found someone drinking in like a Spanish roundabout fountain. They were so desperate for water. So, um, yeah, that, that was, it was quite hardcore. Um what else did I? Oh, I had um, some really great exposure lights uh, and really good advice I got. And I'd say to everyone else, um, invest in good lights because that makes all the difference of being able to cycle at night, like pleasantly, um, rather than peering into the darkness and trying to work out what your little LED is um, illuminating. So that made a big difference. Um, obviously, my phone, I had a battery pack, uh, two Wahoo head units. Um, and I actually only use one of them, but if you can't tell where you're going, if you can't navigate, you're obviously in big trouble. So I thought it was good to have a backup. And yeah, backup, um, I had a few tubes, um, patches, obviously pump, and things like um, spare links and spare brake pads and, and that kind of thing and, and tools. Um, so yeah, I mean, that is the challenge. It's um, knowing exactly what to take and you're never going to need everything that you need uh, you're never going to be able to take everything that you need and um, get stops along the way for water and food are stopped at a very of um, like garages, little cafes, restaurants, uh, stopped at some roadside like motor, motorway restaurant. Uh, 
and um, yeah, beach bars and and all sorts. To be honest, um, so yeah, I think that was everything. I think that, oh, and I had a I had a spare actually had a spare bladder on my back, so I took a I had a Terex um, kind of bladder backpack with a with a bladder in it that I think could hold up to three liters. So I just had that um, I just had that ready in case I needed it. I mean, um, you know, I think with any bikepacking trip, but particularly a, a kind of bikepacking or ultra endurance race there's always a balance to be struck between what you need for comfort and then what you need to be minimal and you know stay lightweight do you feel like you kind of roughly got that that kind of balance right uh i hope so uh, but like you said it's really difficult to get it right um I, I mean i didn't have what i needed to have um so yeah when i could have done with uh some more canisters i could have done with some spare sealant and i could have done with um a spare tire to be honest um, so yeah but i mean who knows like what what you're supposed to take um you know you can't take a spare rim with you can you no and yeah i think yeah it's you, you kind of yeah you prepare for the unexpected but you have to kind of uh have a bit of luck along the way i suppose and, and kind of rely on a bit of luck um so yeah we just just on 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 the group set with the new sram components so i think you had a 42 tooth chain ring and you know there was a, there was a lot of climb in there and it was a one by setup did you feel you kind of got the gear in about right yeah so i had a 42 10 46 i think um and yeah i'd kind of looked at it that gives you a massive range um and i think it probably was about right i mean i never really got to the point by the time you're not riding that i, I decided you I was walking anyway so um but i think on the whole, it's always nice. It probably would have been nicer to have another gear. Um, I was actually worried about, uh, w- with obviously the one by of falling into the gaps of the, the big jumps in the cassette. Um, and I never had that problem at all. Didn't feel ever that I, I could have done with a, another gear, which um, is quite remarkable, really, when you, some the climbs are epic. I can't quite describe. Um, you just go uphill for you think you've done all the mountains and then you're just going up a gravel track that goes up for a thousand plus meters you know i must have done 10 a thousand meter climb well obviously 15,000 meters of climbing but you know there was a lot of climbs that were big like you'd call them big like coal climbs there um right down to sea level and then right back up to uh you know pine forest in the mountains um, so yeah, there's a lot of, I can't say a lot of big climbing as well as kind of the little climbs along the way. Um, but yeah, I, I was happy with that. I, I think one by is good. I, I, it's just less to go wrong, which I think is, I think is important in that kind of race, um, and worked really well. And actually I had a spare SRAM battery as well, which I thought, um, thought was important and spare, uh, spare watch batteries, um, because, one of my levers managed to run out of power. I think I got no idea how. I think maybe when I like lent it against something was that when I was sleeping, um, I might, might have lent it and it ran out of power. But that shows you the kind of thing. You know, I've, I think I changed one other lever battery in my entire life. Otherwise, you know, they don't go very often, uh, and I had to change one halfway up a mountain somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that's a good pro tip. Take a watch battery because I think you know anyone that's used SRAM Axis or di2 the yeah the, the derailleurs uh, need recharging kind of fairly often but that's fine you can do it at home and you know roughly what you're going to get from them but you don't quite know what you're going to get out of the levers but you know it's a couple of years use mm. but yeah un- unlucky to kind of um have it fail in the mountains but then equally good preparation to have the battery with you um 
I mean, sometimes when we we kind of speak to athletes about kind of the, the, their tech setup and um, you know some some riders and some athletes just aren't into it, they they kind of get what they're given and they 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 use it and it's fine and it's kind of the day job. But you sound like someone who kind of uh, understands and kind of enjoys the details. Are you would you kind of call yourself a, a bike nerd and do you kind of enjoy fine tuning the spec and understanding what equipment you're using? Yeah, I do. I mean, I do love bikes i've spent uh, a long time a lifetime riding them um and obviously they're very important um and i think uh, in olympic distance racing triathlon yeah bikes are super important i think as you move to long distance former triathlon uh ironman obviously the bike is 112 miles long um it's a time trial bike it's non-drafting and um the, the bike becomes really important um you know not that it's not important but even more important um and so looking at all those fine details that can give you a small advantage over 112 miles, you know, obviously aerodynamics, but um, smooth, smooth, uh, smoothness, train, chain friction, uh, rolling resistance, all those kind of things. Um, and you do all this training for a race and, you you know, you don't want your bike to go wrong. So that definitely kind of forces you to be really, really meticulous with your preparation um, of the bike. Uh, and yeah, I guess similar. I took a similar approach to that gravel event. Um, yeah, I, I knew it'd be pushing the kind of bike right to its limits, and um, yeah, I didn't want the, the bike to to let me down. So I, I did everything I could to to try and prove that. The one thing that I learned, and and yeah, you you might be able to call me ignorant for this, but I never knew it happened. Is that my uh, tire sealant actually like congealed? new tire sealant congealed to the inside of my tire and i think it was the heat because it was like 45 degrees in this desert and i never knew that could happen so but now but now i do and i googled it and apparently certain sealant is better than other sealant in the heat and some people even mix coolant with their sealant um so that but that's new to me <laughs> like, like looking after a, a car in the middle of summer um yeah i i didn't know that um you know firstly because we yeah I, uh, don't have 45 degree weather in, in Bristol, but also, um, you know, I might be the editor of the site, but I'm I'm kind of fairly technically ignorant, and we have our tech writers, tech writers and testers and reviewers who are much better, kind of, or have their finger on the pulse when it comes to that kind of thing. So uh, I can't say I'm going to be entering bad lines anytime soon, but if I do, then I'll watch out for that. Um, so you went from from there from to uh, uh, a 750 kilometer race in Spain. Um, and then also rode the uh, the, the British uh, National Gravel Championships, unofficial gravel championships in Norfolk with the King, King's Cup. Um, finished in second on the day, but was the first Brit across the line to become the first uh, national gravel champion. But it was a very different race format. I think it was three laps of a course and around um, 70 kilometres. So, I mean, how was that experience, I suppose, um, effectively as a bunch race but also over over a shorter distance yeah it was very different um and it was only like 10 days i think after i finished badlands um and i had actually done another event in between i went to scotland to do uh, an event called gravel gravel foil in Aberfoyle, which was Aberfoyle, which was great as well in enduro format um and then down to um down to suffolk for the king's cup um, yeah, it, it was really great. Great event. Had a really nice feel about it. Uh, people camping in, in the field and, and racing. Um, I think uh, it, it's a really good format of racing, you know, like a, a kind of two hour race. Um, I'd say it was about 50% on gravel trails and 50% on single track. And um, it made for really great racing, like um, fast rolling along on the on the gravel section and then obviously going hard and like pushing it on and, and 
on around the technical bits to try and split it up and um yeah i really really enjoyed it uh it was great and uh, it was great i mean i came second in the race um i think i put oh well i definitely would have come third if it wasn't for a little crash in front of me uh and coming up to the finish line um and then the guy that won he was a kiwi segment so i was first brit across the line so that was good I mean, in terms of your 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 setup, you, know, you clearly wouldn't have had any uh, all the extras with you in terms of uh, mechanical spares and food and hydration. But you know, broadly speaking, was was your bike in a fairly similar setup to to Badman's? Uh, I used exactly the same bike. Um, I used exactly the same tyres. I fit, yeah, I, I might have actually just gone a bit wider, um, but I can't remember. Yes, yeah, should actually for Badlands, I was using um, Schwabel uh, G G One Rs like the race version of the G1s. Um, and they're just a great all-round gravel tyre. Um, and, yeah, apart from that, everything was the same. I Yeah, I did even keep the same gearing. I, I thought that would give me the range. I mean, I could have obviously had a smaller um, cassette on it uh, to give me less range uh, because you definitely didn't need it and it was fast. Um, it was about yeah it's 70k and took two hours so average speed of 35k an hour and you're going faster than that on the fast bits obviously so yeah i mean um maybe it would have been better to have a big slightly bigger range there but um the bike was absolutely fine i mean gra- gravel riding generally is something that's seen a big big boom in cycling over the last few years really popular with our readers on, on bike radar um and is often described as a bit of an antidote to road riding you know less structured less rules more friendly can get away from from roads and from traffic um, i mean what's it been like for you as someone who's competed at the very top end of elite sport for, for more than a decade uh well yeah the combination of um using it in training and to kind of explore and um that's been fantastic um yeah i mean i've ridden the same roads in yorkshire for all that time and so actually to go out and ride a gravel bike where you know it's exactly the same pretty much set up as your road bike you're riding along and then you can jump on a track uh, out in the middle of the Yorkshires that I've never been on before. So obviously that kind of exploration and I've really loved and that's been really cool. Um, and at the same time, um, it's been fantastic opportunity to, um, to to do the racing as well, which, yeah, it, it kind of both fit a real fit different feel um obviously stood on the start line for a 750k race is very different to uh being on the start line for a, a much shorter race or a triathlon or anything else so um yeah i enjoyed that um i enjoy doing different things i've, I've got a whole list of uh, other events i want to do as i um as i kind of do do less for a professional triathlon mm. what, what 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 are the kind of highlights on that list from a, a kind of cycling perspective well i definitely like to I, I feel like um the gravel racing i mean i know there's going to be a world championships in it next year but um also i'd really like to have a go at the 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 big the i think the big kind of american races like dirty kanza and the belgian waffle rides and i so i think I'd, I'd really like to do that next year um it feels like it's a progressing kind of quickly it's look they look really cool really cool routes and experience so yeah i think that's pretty much high on the list um and then further into the future i'd like to do more uh i'd definitely like to do more bike backing adventure racing um yeah the big stuff like the silk road and, and that kind of thing yeah i mean um yeah there, there is definitely a trend for um you know world tour pros on the road to to, to leave that behind and, and start racing gravel professionally effectively um uh or, or someone like lachlan morton who rides for ef you know continuing to ride grand tours but also you know, doing their alternative 
calendar and the the alternative Tour de France that he did this year, and I think Lauren Tendam as well has has started ride, riding gravel recently. Um, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned this at the start, but you know, with the the year that you've had and 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 the really challenging year that you've had, has it kind of given you, um, as you said, a kind of opportunity to focus on something new? Um, obviously, keep your your fitness and your training and your on bike work ticking over, um, and also a chance to kind of assess what's next for you yeah yeah i mean yeah it's definitely definitely given me a chance to do something else which has been really important uh you know i think i would have been really struggling if i hadn't been able to have some kind of competitive outlet and all this time um because it has been really tough and um you know i've been used to doing some kind of racing and have some and a goal to aim for for for, for so long and so to not have that has been tough and to do that in cycling has been has been great um and yeah, I guess it's definitely opened my eyes uh, to what's out there. I, I, I kind of more probably, you know, came from a, a world of like running adventure. You know, even though I, I was kind of brought up in the in the uh, going out with local cycling clubs, um, cycling like local cycling community. You know, going for long Sunday rides and cafe stops and like really long hundred mile rides into the dales. So I kind of brought up with that philosophy of exploration, but. Um, also running and, and fell running and the kind of northern British Yorkshire and, and Cumbrian fell running scene and, and that exploration. So I guess it's kind of always been there. Um, and then I must admit, I really didn't know much about the whole bike packing world. And, and then within a few days of being told about Badlands, I went from that's absolutely ridiculous. Who would want to ride for 750k in one go to, yeah, great. Let's give it a go and see how it is. Um, so yeah, now I've, I've, like you say, now my eyes have been opened. Um, yeah, there's a whole world of that out there that, uh, <laughs> I'd like to give a go. Mm. I mean, have you done any kind of bike packing, um, for fun? Just, uh, you know, with yourself or, or with, with friends? Uh, I've done quite a lot of bikepacking um, for fun over the years. Um, yeah, both, yeah, mostly just with friends um, and going off, starting from home and heading north into the Dales or over to the coast and up to the Lake District and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, never uh, always bikepacked at like credit card tours, so stayed in hotels and friends' houses and stuff. Um Never slept rough, but yeah, I've I've really enjoyed that. I mean, I love exploring. Always at the end of the kind of season, just out there and kind of as a holiday. Mm. I mean, I was going to ask, um, you know, kind of how you got into cycling in the first place, and you kind of spoke about it a bit then. But you've you've always been very kind of my impression anyway. It kind of embedded in the cycling scene in in Yorkshire. You know, there's there's kind of countless, numerous kind of world class riders there, you know, more than any part of the UK. And I think you know the Leeds chain gang you're a regular on. So um, has that kind of community always been? Um, an important part of your kind of training and racing uh yeah it's been a very important part of my training and racing um yeah definitely i think uh i, I first went on the lead chain gang as a 14 year old uh so that's 2002 so nearly 20 years ago um and yeah it, like the chain gang the local groups like local people um you know a bit of racing um and just friends and people to ride with um that's been a massive part of my career. Uh, groups of people to get you out of the door on the day that you, you know, the days where it's raining and you need people to do a long ride with them. It's fantastic, and yeah, Leeds is a is a, a brilliant area to to be part of that. I mean, are you, are you still kind of um, finding new places to ride and explore in your in your local area, or you can have you got every route mapped out? I don't really find new places anymore unless I go a long uh, a long way, uh, even. 
probably, you know, when I started doing kind of a bit more off-road and, and gravel tight riding um, a few years ago, I'd, I was starting to find new tracks that would like link up roads and stuff. But um, I definitely, you know, I, I kind of knew the lay of the land and the road. Um, I, I do, uh, I did do a few, a bit, a bit of stuff, uh, maybe two rides really for Badlands, especially one really long one. Um, went right like, like went right out to the west coast one day uh, and, and came back and I did another one right up into Yorkshire and did loads of off road. Yeah. Oh, that that one was probably linking up kind of everything I kind of know in in one go. Um, but that being out for like fifteen hours is obviously you're gonna it's a relatively <laughs> a new experience for me doing some of those routes. Mm. You managed to kind of twist your brother's arm into any kind of uh, epic bikepacking rides? Not yet. Um, but yeah, I'm ho- hoping you'll join me soon. And I think, uh, yeah, com- completely different to, to, to bikepacking and gravel racing, but an- another area that's seen a lot of growth for us in, in the last couple of years is um, kind of virtual racing and Zwift and all the indoor cycling apps. Am I also right in saying that you've done some some Zwift racing? Uh, yeah, I've done quite a bit of Zwift racing, yeah. Um, I've, d- I've done some seriously and I've done some, yeah, just for fun um and yeah just as part of a, a training day and stuff so um yeah i, I have done quite a bit I, I think zwift um has definitely transformed um transformed training indoors for me uh haven't always been the biggest fan of training on the turbo but um zwift has actually made it not only kind of enjoy like not terrible but at times yeah i actually want to train on the turbo and, and go and do a session as, as a race um and that's great obviously mm. and uh uh i think the the uh, gravel foil event or the dukes weekender event you mentioned earlier that was that was an enduro format wasn't it where there's a, a road hill climb and then a kind of gravel enduro um kind of multi-stage part yeah. of it as well um have you ever been tempted to kind of throw yourself into the the kind of hill climb scene that we've got in the uk we just had the national championships at the weekend i think on winats pass um has that ever kind of tempted you or is it or you know could that be a, a future option for you well i've always seen it uh and uh yeah maybe at some point it just looks like the worst sport ever <laughs> um yeah i, I think I'd, i struggle with kind of time trial format events anyway uh i like racing i like competitiveness i like the kind of more one-on-one type thing um so yeah that's why i've never done really a lot of time trialing either but yeah, never say never. <laughs> no, I mean we we got a, a, a few of the riders on our on our team here who you know love hill climb season, and we we kind of regularly do regularly do a, a kind of YouTube diary series on hill climb events that they race. But I'm I personally don't see the appeal because it is kind of four or five minutes of very very hard, very very painful racing. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think the racing that I've done previously has been yeah, kind of cyclocross, kind of so kind of. Uh, you know, bunch racing to a, to a degree or criteriums or road racing where you do have that competitive element. So yeah, I kind of, uh, I hear where you're coming from on that one. It's very <laughs> painful and unpleasant. Um, I think just kind of finally to kind of look ahead to, you know, this winter and, and next year, we kind of uh, just uh, heading into November, you know, what's, what's kind of on the cards for you over the next six months or so? Uh, well, this winter, um, I mean, yeah, it feels like we are right in the winter now. And yeah, my ankle, it means that I'm kind of just starting to train properly now, which is a really good thing. Uh, because yeah, it's been um it's been a really tough year. So I just want to get back to training properly and normally and, and that'll be that'll be really good. Um I think also uh I'm 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 looking forward to really focusing really only on long distance triathlon. Um 
So I've got a few things next year. There's, there's actually two Ironman uh, distance racing world championships because they've been cancelled for the last few years. So there's one in May in Utah and the traditional one in October in Kona. Outside that, um, I've got a project to try and do an Ironman distance event in under seven hours, which is going to happen sometime in the summer, which is really exciting as well, um, along with loads of other racing and hopefully some of those uh, big American gravel races as well. I mean, how how is the... Uh, or kind of what does the transition look like for someone who uh, has obviously won two Olympic gold medals in Olympic distance triathlon, moving to focusing um, more specifically on long distance triathlon? Is that a kind of a fairly natural progression, or you know, is it very is it very difficult for someone um, to do? Uh, well, in theory, um, it shouldn't be too difficult. It's still a kind of a long distance endurance event, um, but there is some um, there is some big differences you know getting your uh, nutrition right for example um transition of the bike on from from racing road road style crit style racing to long distance time trialing effectively is obviously a big difference um so i think all those things um that you know it, there's a change but it's a new challenge and um yeah i think it's uh, i'm kind of looking for i've been enjoying the challenge so far well, we you know, we wish you all the best in and you know, your continued recovery from your injury and 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 what comes next for you in terms of gravel racing, but more specifically long distance triathlon. Um, we can leave it there. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Alistair. Thank you very much for joining us on the Bike Radar podcast. Great, thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the Bike Radar podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and please do leave us a review. We always appreciate your feedback. That's it for now. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.